Welcome to Underground at the Showcase, the official podcast of the Underground Music Showcase and a production of Youth on Record. I'm associate producer Xavier Goche, and on today's episode, hosts Emerson Olson and Cesar Ibarra interview Iskali. Iskali is a genre-bending rock band pushing the sonic envelope of conventional Latin sounds. Miguel Avina, Brenda Avina, and Luigi Ramirez combined to create music for the relentless, the determined, the immigrant song. Inherently authentic and undeniably refreshing. Iskali swigs its evolving sound from all wells of tradition, from Latin-tinged echoes to fuzz rock anthems saturated with a rebellious spirit in English and in Espanol, creating the perfect molotov of nostalgia and euphoria, equal parts sweet and intoxicating. Before we jump into the interview, please like, follow, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Here's a clip of Iskali's song, One Last Time, featuring Bailey Alora. You'll see. 
Hi, welcome to Underground at the Showcase, the official podcast of the Underground Music Showcase and a production of Youth on Record. I'm Emerson Olson. And I'm Cesar Ibarra. And to get us started, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about finding your way back home. What does that mean to Iskali? Well, um, being an immigrant, originally from Mexico, um, my sister and I come from Mexico City. Uh, it, we've had to navigate through all the challenges that have been uh, put in front of us in life, but also in music, um, which for us is, have been very connected. Um, and so finding your way through your place, not only in life, but in the music scene has been kind of a, a discovery um, and exploration for us over you know the years that we've been involved in music. Um, we grew up listening to music and also our, our, our dad, El Cro, he's a musician as well. So it was always around us, but finding your own identity, I think was, was crucial for the band uh, in order to like establish themselves ourselves as a as a you know a band here in Colorado. When did you guys come to the U.S.? We moved here in 1992. That was our first time here, and then we actually were kind of back and forth between Mexico and the and the U.S. And then the second time we moved back in 2001. So how did Iskali get started? I know that it's you and your sister and then another band member. Yes, Luigi. Uh, Luigi Ramirez, um, he's actually our uh, current drummer, has been with us for the last eight years. Um, but the band actually started in 2005, and uh, it was on the CCD campus. You know, I had a friend there and just kind of got rolling, and it was originally like an acoustic trio kind of deal. Um, and then, yeah, from there, it just kind of, continue to evolve. And again, the, the, our bio speaks to that, just kind of taking the idea of creating music and just letting it flow and evolve to where it needs to take us. Gotcha. That's so awesome. Yeah. I love like that, that meaning behind it. I was reading about the term is Kali and I read that it means house of rebirth. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we totally own that. Um, and the name, you know, also for us was a kind of a token of appreciation. Uh, we grew up in Iscali. That's the, the place where we grew up and never knew what it actually meant. And even when I chose the name, I, I didn't have an idea what it meant, but it, it took years to kind of rediscover what the name and what it stood and stand stood for us. Um, and most recently, the, the entire band has gone through like a, a sort of awakening in, in a sense musically and in life and everything and we've taken that, that opportunity to really own the name of the band and allow ourselves to create music that of of genres we never never expected to be playing like cumbia and salsa and just exploring kind of our roots and and our within ourselves so it's been really a, a, a nice experience for me and uh you mentioned that you're from uh mexico city Defe, and there's like a, a big rock scene there. Do you think that like having that growing up, the influences from a lot of those, you know, Mexican rock bands like Mana and stuff like that, it's, it's Mexican rock is it's definitely its own thing compared to like American rock. Absolutely. Do you think that you were able to like carve your own way in like the music scene because of your influences from Mexico? Absolutely. That, that's a great question. Um, the thing for us though was we, we grew up listening to mostly English music. Um, and I didn't actually start listening to like Mexican rock until I started playing with my dad, which was like in 2004. Um, and his, even his brand of rock is even more different. It's more like El Tri. It's a little oh, heavier okay, yeah. stuff. 
um, and he was playing metal actually in the 80s and so we were bringing back some of his songs so I had a lot of influence of like old school Mexican metal and then kind of the grungy Mex rock mexicano which they call it not like the rock, rock pop or rock in espanol um, but as I as I continued my journey I I started appreciating those artists like Mana, Jaguares, Caifanes, all those bands, the classics, you know. Um, but even then, my influence early on was more American music, uh, the White Stripes, the Strokes, um, even things like more rock pop side of things like Blink-182. That's the kind of stuff that I was listening I to at the time. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, and then little by little, you were talking about discover, rediscovering ourselves, and it was like finding like things that connected us back to like cumbia and salsa and like you know Latin beats and traditional drum beats that we never kind of ever thought we'd be playing. So uh, it's been a cool journey for us. Now you say that you weren't expecting to play those kind of things. Did you um, start out as a band thinking about exactly what your aesthetic would be as more American? I would first? say I would say so. Yeah, because our our goal was really to yeah just to be a, a band and and in the American scene. Um, but we had overcome something that was critical for us, which at the beginning we were just like a Mexican band, right? And anywhere we would play, we would be the Mexican band. And we'd be playing Cinco de Mayo and Dia de los Muertos and all these things. And even at the UMS, we were still the Mexican band. Everybody knew us and they were like, oh, you guys are like the Mexican band. And then we owned that, right? We, we, we thought we were like the best Mexican band. We thought we were like a good Mexican. And one day we just realize like, hey, we don't have to be the Mexican band. We can be a great Denver band and just be a band, all right? And, and just to keep expanding that idea that we don't have to like limit ourselves with that label, um, which we proudly would wear any time. We still play those uh, Cinco de Mayo shows when we can and Dia de los Muertos, but it doesn't define us anymore. We take that and expand it beyond that. Now we're just, a, we're glad to say we are a Denver band of Mexican descent. Do you think that there's like a, a real strong Latino music scene or maybe like a Latino rock music scene? Because I know there's bands like um, Vic and the Narwhals, mm -hmm. Julian Street Nightmare, who are, you know, doing stuff that's a little less, you know, Latin music. Mm -hmm. And it's a bit more, you know, influenced by uh, indie rock and stuff like that. Do you feel like we're actually doing something very forward and progressive, having all these uh, Latin artists who are not, you know, tiny bands, like they're right. bringing big crowds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've definitely had experience with working with them. Um, in fact, some of their first shows were playing at, at festivals, like the ones we've put together. Reti Fest is one of them. We've had Julian Street Nightmare and Vic and the Narwhals at our yearly posadas we some of those shows we brought them on early on but you mentioned th those bands but there's all bands like los mocochetes ritmo cascabel neoma the mañana so yeah we've we've definitely had um i think the ability to expand into this market when i say we it's all the latin bands or latin influence bands um there's a place for us here and i think it, it wouldn't be here had it not been for the bands that came before them um and the bands that, you know, we were playing like Mexican restaurants back in the day because there was no high dive for us, right? We weren't, I mean, we were allowed to play there, but the offerings were just not 
appropriate, I should say, what we were getting paid to play those gigs. Um, and, it, and it wasn't about the money, but just the, there was just no market for us in South Broadway. We had to really carve it out um, to the point that, you know, we had to just take a stance and sometimes say like, oh, we're not going to play for that when we have the opportunities to do other stuff. But um, there's room for the, for Latin music, Latin influence music in Colorado, and I'm really proud to say we've had a big hand in that. Hell yeah! And could you talk a little bit more about the the Reti? It's a rock into the Omel, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Reti um, is basically the company that we work under. Uh, Iskali works under. It's our flagship, and we use it to promote three main festivals in in Colorado or shows, I guess you could say, which is uh, Reti Fest. Uh, Rock de Mayo and La Posada. So they're the three big shows. Um, so Reti Fest is a, a show where we showcase all the Latin bands and we always invite also an uh, English speaking band to kind of expose them to a different crowd. Um, La Posada is kind of the end of the year celebration where we just just thank our fans, thank the bands we've played with and all the people that have supported us throughout the year. Uh, and Rock de Mayo started as a Cinco de Mayo festival and kind of the same thing. We didn't want to pigeonhole ourselves. So it turned into more of a just a music festival. So we have English and Spanish bands of all genres. We've had reggaeton, hip hop. Um, we've had uh, like reggae, con Mono Verde, Catiria, uh, 2MX2. So yeah, we just love to to showcase the variety of, as you were mentioning, like the Latin infused artist in Colorado. And, and whenever we have a space to do that, we like to share it. I love how you take an English speaking band and then put them in front of an audience that they wouldn't be used to. Oh yeah. Because um, that's gotta be such a culture shock for it some is. of them. Yeah, we've had some, some big names um, play those shows and they're like, I did not know that was gonna happen. Like I didn't expect it. And some of them, It's just so weird because we, I've never felt nervous playing in front of an all, um, American or all white crowd. Um, but it was interesting for them to have that experience of playing in front of a, a entirely Latino crowd, right? Not knowing what to expect. Uh, on the back end, I already knew they were going to do great. That's why I booked them for that show. But, um, it, it's also, it's a cool experience to, to witness. Were they surprised uh, about how many people were dancing? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Because that's <laughs> they're like, wow. And, and oftentimes when I see a band, and, and sometimes here at the UMS, you, you see bands that you're like, shit, I would, <laughs> wow, I would like to see like a mosh pit going and it should be good to, to see people um, dancing to this. And then you notice like, that's not the vibe, that people are okay with just kind of standing around. But Yeah, they're having the, and that Latin shows that doesn't happen. You got to dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love how there's differences between like the audience feel um, in that. Are there any good venue stories that you've had or like interesting audience moments or specific venue performances where you're like, wow, that really stood out? Um, well, we've had the opportunity to play some of the best venues here in Colorado. Um, definitely the highlight of my um, playing career has been playing at the Fillmore. That's probably one of the most magical places I've played. That was actually one of the first concerts that I saw at the Fillmore. And it was actually L3 with Oza Motley. Um, but yeah, getting to play that stage was just awesome. The sound, just the, the rumble of everything. And then having the response from the crowd is just, it was amazing. So your sister, Brenda, also plays with you. Do you think that it's 
a little easier to write songs with someone who you've known for like your entire life? Because I feel like with, you know, someone who you've, you're friends with and you're close with, but it's definitely like, you know, you're friends with them. Yeah, yeah. It, you can kind of, you're a bit, you know, softer if they're like, write something, you're like, uh, I don't know if I want that. I feel like, do you do you see that, uh, like when you're writing with your sister, you can be a bit more like truthful and be like, nah, I, I'm not feeling that. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because you hit it right on the head. That's how it t tends to be. Um, and she actually holds that against me because she's like, why are you, like, you're so nice to other people when you don't like what they're doing and you're so mean to me. So I, I try to dial it back, but yeah, I'm very direct with her. Uh, and she's very direct with me. And that annoys me, too, because oftentimes she's like, I don't like that part. And I'll say, OK, well, let's let's change it. What what do you suggest? I don't know. I don't like it. So we have this, uh, like, obviously a brother and sister relationship that is unbreakable and has its pros and its cons. One of them being like, you know, you can quit the band, but you're always going to be around me. You know, we're going to be together in this. And luckily, we've been able to forge that relationship of brother, brother and sisterhood and bandhood and just just make it super solid. She's been with Iskali since the beginning and throughout the different drummers we've had. She's been a solid piece, which has been, I think, a key thing to to being to having that longevity in the band. Mm. What is it like writing music with um, your sibling? Like, is that collaboration process? Like, do you find that writing on certain topics is very easy because you both come from like a similar standpoint or? Well, I, I take the majority of the credit for the lyrics and stuff like that. So most of the songs come from my my point of view in terms of the experience and things like that. Uh, when it comes to like the the bass lines and the rhythms and stuff like that, she she incorporates her her ideas behind that and it's it's usually very fluid we rarely have we've had a few songs here and there that we've had to like really hammer out even we've dragged them out through years of like we kind of are excited about it then drop it and then again excited until finally years later we're like okay this song is this is what it's supposed to sound like um but i think it takes experiences it takes like like i said hammering away at it until you feel comfortable with it but the majority of the music that we've created has come pretty seamlessly which is which is nice when it flows like that you guys are obviously like a very you know um multifaceted band you have like a lot of genres you know that you incorporate into your sound are there any that's like a bit less on the nose that you guys would want to try out in the future you know maybe like post-punk or uh you know i don't know an irish jig you know there's something just outside of the box yeah yeah that's yeah we we have explored that um but also it feels like uh it's important to like just let those things come like obviously we've been around uh like cumbia for a long time and it, it wasn't until now and we used to like joke at practice like oh what if we played a cumbia ha huh? that'd be funny ha <laughs> ha you know like we'd never do that and then here we are right and so um it just t takes a little time to kind of feel yourself into that kind of stuff and so people often tell me like especially these days with corridos tumbados like that being kind of like the thing or even reggaeton recently with bad bunny and stuff people always say like you should do a collaboration with that kind of artist and stuff and it's like uh i i would be open to collaborating with people like that or like bands here in colorado like 2mx2 that are all all about that kind of stuff um but we it just hasn't come not naturally so we are waiting for something like that. And if it does come, we, we would welcome it totally. 
Nice. You mentioned earlier um, a little bit that you're the one that does more of the lyric writing. I'd love to hear a little bit about how you approach lyrics, especially with English versus Spanish. Like, how do you decide whether you want something in this language or that language? Is there a different feel to each of them? Um, I think um, vocally I have a different range depending on the language um, and definitely on the inflection. It, it allows me to take breaths in, in different spaces. So it tends to be when I'm writing like slower songs, like uh, really mellow songs for like my, even my acoustic stuff, um, they tend to be more in Spanish. Uh, and in English, like the heavier rock songs are mostly in English. Um, that That's just kind of what I found over the years. Um, but usually... You know, when I sit down, I just let it flow. And if it's if I th think of a word in English and it, that's kind of di the direction I feel like it's going, I just let it flow that way. But I, I never sit down and say, oh, this song I have to write in English or this next one in Spanish. It's kind of been pretty natural. And with writing songs, how do you come up with melodies? Do you, you know, have it first and, okay, let me fit this into a guitar progression I already have? Or do you, you know, does like the melody come to your head and you're like, oh, I need to, you know, add this to a song? Yeah, um, usually it's like the bass and the drums that I that I think about the most uh, from the beginning. Because, again, you're mentioning Latin shows and like people dancing. And that's what's obviously going to get people dancing at first, which is kind of that groove that usually is what comes to mind for me first um and then just build up on it from there um adding layers R right now the band live we have a lot of players we have a saxophone a trumpet a fiddle keys percussion so i have a lot of um you know colors at my disposal to to create our music so it's really nice to be able to do that um but at the essence of the band, it's usually the three piece where we're composing and putting these songs together. So, um, yeah, but it's always been fun. Nice. Do you have any favorite songs like yours personally that you've written? Um, right now, it's that cumbia. It's called Sal de Ti. Um, it's, uh, I had a, a, an awesome experience in Costa Rica that I, that I went down there for. And after coming back, I just, it felt urged to write a cumbia song, and that's the song that came out of it. So Saleti is one of really one of my favorite ones to play right now. If you're just joining us, we're here with Miguel from Iscali, um, and we're talking a little bit about the Denver local scene. Are there any shows that you've seen lately that you're like, oh man, this band, like I need to be on a bill with them, like I need to play a show with them? There's a couple actually. Um, well, uh, some of them are have been friends for us for years, but they never ceased to amaze me, but Citra is one of my favorite rock bands here in, in Colorado um, because they're that's what they are. They're a rock band. They don't mess around. They just straightforward rock. Um, so I love that about them. Uh, and there's a up and coming another rock band, Epepac, I think. Yeah, uh, Epic Epic. Is that, yeah. 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 Um, they're amazing as well. Like every one of the musicians really has got their stuff down on their instrument, but just the energy and Again, it's nice to see like an up and coming generation of rock musicians, and they are all about that. So I, I enjoy both of those bands. How do you think the Denver scene is currently with all the cultural mixtures and everything? Like, what do you hope the Denver music scene turns into? What do you appreciate about it right now? Um, in the, it's been, it's changed a lot over the years. And it, it, for me, from at least from my vantage point, it's kind of been up and down in terms of like energy. Um, recent years it had been for for my personal taste it was too mellow for me it was like a lot of bands that were just kind of 
going through the motions kind of vibe, which is fine for, for certain things, right? There's, I think there's music for everything. But for a minute there, I just felt the energy was a little low. And it's good to see like rowdy bands again, like for in whatever genre, right? We, we have some bands out there like Los Mocochetes on the Latin side. They're, they're a party band. Um, uh, there's another band. I can't always remember the entire name, but Rootbeel, Richie and the Review. Yeah, we have them later today. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so they're another party band and that's what they are right to get people going and just share that energy which is what we kind of missed during covid right like all that kind of died down that human contact and then in space and in a venue and the sweatiness and everything just it's part of the experience and again i, I don't have anything against other bands that that don't go for that um, but I, I just like to see that the Denver music scene is headed back in that direction, or at least there's more, more of that right now. You, you were back and forth between here and Mexico. Do you think you have like a, you're able to notice a bit more how the scene differs here from somewhere like Mexico or LA who, you know, have a very lively music scene? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think honestly, we, we have toured sparingly in the U.S., but I, I want to say that Denver has to have probably one of the healthiest music scenes there is out there. And by healthy, I mean a variety of music, quality of music, commitment to it, but also like the fact that you don't have to pay to play, right? I love That's that. ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I would never do that. Never have and never will. Um, but having to do that is just such a toxic thing because then you know, how do you get into places if you can't afford it? And if you're an up and coming artist, that's impossible. So it's really gate kept and everything. So, and of course, there's some of that everywhere. I don't participate in it, um, but still there, it's still there. But um, Colorado just seems to have a healthier way of dealing with that. And to the point where it does give everybody a fair chance to, to if you're good enough and you're going to make it through. Um, and if you're going to stick with it, you're going to make it through. So that's what I appreciate about the Colorado music scene. What advice would you give to younger musicians up and coming, um, especially younger musicians of color? Yeah, well, right now it's for them to know that there's a space for them, for sure. And and I think it's more visible now than ever that there's a, a space for them. In many ways, it's even carved out at this point. So taking advantage of that uh, being able to take your spot where you, you feel you deserve. But committing to the craft, I think, is one of the key things. Whatever that looks like for you, if, uh, if you are um, in any genre, but just committing to it and knowing that people are wanting your music, but they're not expecting it. So, you know, not expecting immediate fame or immediate recognition for what you're doing, I think, is one of those things. And lastly... Um, is for me, and this has been just most recent, is just detaching myself from my identity as a musician and just allowing myself to be a person that creates music. I think it's liberated me to do a lot of stuff that I wouldn't have done in the past. So I think that's something I learned later in my career, but I'm glad I'm, I'm here for that. Are there any bands that uh, didn't play UMS that you would you know, love to see come back or come play UMS next year? Uh, let me think. It, it's kind of been on and off for some bands. Uh, I haven't really seen who wasn't on the bill this year. Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I mean, they usually, the UMS usually does a great job of booking like a variety of bands, a variety of genres and across different days. So 
I don't know. I think I'm really happy to see every lineup every every year of the UMS. And, and a lot of the people that are playing this year are my friends and, and the, even the ones that didn't get included. But um, I think they do a great job at the booking. Sweet. Yeah, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for joining us on Underground at the Showcase. It's been a real pleasure having you here. Thank you, guys. I appreciate the invitation. You can find Is Kali's music wherever you stream your tunes and on social media at Is Kali Rock. We want to give a big thanks to Meininger Art Supply for letting us record season two at their store on North Broadway. Learn more at www.meininger.com. Underground at the Showcase is an official podcast of the Underground Music Showcase and a production of Youth on Record. You can learn more about Youth on Record at www.youthonrecord.org and on social media at Youth on Record. This episode was edited and mixed by me. Our production team also includes Cesar Ibarra, Ryan Conora, Chloe Hines, and Emerson Olson. Our executive producer is David Layden. Our theme song was recorded by Genevieve Glimp, Danny Akery, and David Layden. Additional music for this episode is provided by me. You can find my music on streaming platforms under Black Key, that's B-L-V-C-K-Q-I. Thank you again for listening. I'm Xavier Goche, and this is Underground at the Showcase.